Welcome to another episode. Got a lot to unpack. Got a special episode today. The uh, talking about the college football national champions, the Michigan Wolverines. Being a longtime Michigan fan, going all the way back to the late '80s, early '90s, um, it's pretty awesome. I hadn't seen them win a championship since 1997 when they split the one with Nebraska. Um, they had me nervous. Definitely throughout the game, they started off hot. Then their their offense went really dry for a very long period of time through the second and third quarter. But the defense finally set up the offense with a short field there in the fourth, and Michigan got it done, 34-13. to um, It was very, very satisfying watching Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines win a well-earned championship um i think that after everything that went down they proved that this whole debacle about the advanced scouting really didn't make a difference as far as giving them a an upper hand against their teammates or not and actually i broke a story which is still breaking um every day that uh it's actually gotten more interesting. The Ohio State Buckeyes are not being investigated because two of their former staffers work at Catapult Sports, and Ohio State has been accused of stealing of watching stealing and watching Maryland's practice film, and then turning around and trying to give it to SMU, who is one of their opponents this year. So. You got that going on, which I don't hear ESPN say anything about. Of course not, because it's not Michigan. ESPN doesn't hate Ohio State. They hate Michigan. But I don't see old Pete Thamel jumping all over this one to be the whistleblower. I don't see Paul Feinbaum or anybody blowing this one up. Nobody's talking about it, but it's out there. If you want to go search it, Catapult Sports in Ohio State being investigated. Um, but anyway, enough about those that... Uh, talk about the game uh, it, it once again another defensive masterpiece they took an offense that averaged over 36 points a game and over four or five hundred yards a game and they held them to 300 yards they actually held Washington to less total yards than Michigan had rushing yards Michigan had more rushing yards than Washington had overall total yards another another defensive masterpiece by that Michigan defensive uh, JC Minter gets a lot of credit and rightfully so but he's got a lot of good other coordinators on that team with him assistant coaches Steve Klingscale uh, you know he's his dad came in short notice to be linebackers coach. Uh, that it's that defensive coaching staff is is outstanding and, and pitched another almost perfect game. I'm holding Washington to 13 points. That that was a season low for Washington, 13 points. So another masterful work of art for that that defense, that Michigan defense, and so they are now in rare company with Georgia as the only other team in the FBS era to hold opposing teams to 10 point 
uh, five points or less for an entire season. Michigan finished at 10.4 this year, and Georgia is only .2 tenths better at 10.2 back in 2021. So very, very close defenses there. So I'm going to – I knew what it felt like when I watched Woodson – hold up that trophy for the first time when they won the Rose Bowl against Washington State and they got voted number one in AP poll and got awarded a championship with Brian Greasy and all those guys on that team. I want to ask you, how did it feel for the very first time to see Michigan win their very first football championship? This actually was the first. For me, this was my first time watching them win an undisputed national title. How was it for you, Quentin, to watch Michigan win their first national title as, as a college football team? Um, it was great. Um, I'm, I'm actually glad that Michigan won because all, all this talk about uh, them and uh, about the NCAA investigating and ESPN's blowing up about it, I'm, I'm glad because, um, I mean, you you got all the critics out here. Like ESPN, um, that talking trash about Michigan, and they just, um, it it didn't distract them at all. It didn't yep. distract the players about the investigations. All the haters had to take a knee, didn't they? Mhm. Um, and uh, I mean, all all the critics judged Michigan. Because of the investigations, and now, um, all all that's just happens from week one. Now mm-hmm. it's the national championship. They still won. Yep. People were saying that Michigan should have been banned from the college football playoff. I mean, I, I I'm I'm just really glad that Michigan won. Tell all those critics that. They don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. They're gonna still win championships. They're gonna still be the best team in college football. Number one, um, I I do want to say so. I do want to say two things because we haven't done a recording since they played the the two semifinal games. I I want to say that uh, I want to give a lot of credit to Alabama and the Rose Bowl. Um, they almost beat Michigan and pulled off the upset. Uh, Michigan won in overtime. Uh, Alabama played a great, great game. That was a classic game right there. And then I want to give a lot of credit to Washington. As dominant as that Michigan defense was, you're talking about a de- an offense that averaged 462.1 yards per game, 349.4 passing yards per game, and Michigan held them to 300 yards and like two, 240-something yards passing out of the 349 that they averaged. So that's like that. Even though Michigan achieved that, like Washington still played one heck of a game. They were in it the whole way. Them, them, what The Washington Huskies players have nothing to hang their heads about. Uh, they played. They left everything out on the field. They played a really, really tough game. They were in it all the way until the end. Um, I, I, I applaud them for giving uh, 
Michigan one heck of a game to play. It, it was a seven-point game for a very long time, and Michigan did not pull away until halfway through the fourth quarter. So credit to that, that Washington Husky team, credit to that coaching staff. Um, that was one heck of a national championship game. No blowouts here. Like it, it was a, a close, tough, hard-played game all the way to the end, and I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Maybe not at the time of watching it, because <laughs> I wanted Michigan to win so bad, and I felt like Washington was right there on the doorstep of tying that game up for a very long period of that game. Uh, at the end of the day, Michigan got it done. Uh, they get to hoist the trophy, and for a whole off-season. Um, and next year, until they either don't make the playoff or somebody beats them, um, they are the defending national. They are the national champs. They are the number one team in the land. So, it's awesome. Very, very awesome. I enjoyed very, very good into the season. And I agree. I'm just watching this season beginning to end. With everything that happened, Jim getting suspended, um, you know, all the nonsense all the news articles bashing Michigan um, and they never let it distract them or deter them. They had one goal in mind and they played until they achieved that goal and that's pretty awesome to see a team do that. That's That was, I, I will bask in this glory and enjoy this one for a very, very long time. This one is very special to me just because of what happened this year and the fact that they persevered and they held that trophy up at the end of the year. Very big win for Michigan. Yeah. Sad that college football is over, but it was very, very, um, very pleasing to watch them raise that trophy up at the end. Yeah. Two, two very good semifinal games. Again, Washington, Texas game was a heck of a game. Also came down to the last possession. Uh, Texas had a chance to, to tie that game to take it in overtime and just missed on the final play and Washington wins that game and Michigan and Washington played a, a heck of a game all the way through till the very end um, when Washington became one-dimensional because they knew they had to do something and at that point when Michigan knew they were just going to throw the ball and, and the game was, was sealed then um, but again great credit to them Great credit to the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, this was one heck of a college football season. I will say there was some breaking news that just came out while we were talking about this. Um, while we are recording this, actually, Coach Nick Saban is reportedly going to retire this offseason and will not be back as Alabama's coach next year. Wow, we'll see how that unfolds. But wow, that just dropped 15 minutes ago. I mean, he's been coaching since, like, the 90s. Yep. He's and 72 years old. Yeah. He's one of the most decorated coaches in college football with seven national titles. He has six at Alabama and one at LSU. Yep. I mean, he's. it's been some great moments. It's been some bad moments. He's been coaching in college football for 28 years. So yeah. So yeah, that's breaking news. Um, man, 
So we'll see what happens there uh, since he's retiring. The transfer portal now opens for any Alabama players that want to transfer out for the next 30 days. Um, it actually opened late for Alabama, and it will for Michigan and Washington and Texas because of their late bowl games. But, wow. That's that's crazy. That's interesting. I, I, I know he's 72, so everybody knew it was coming, but, wow. I didn't know it would be this year. I didn't know his last game would be against Michigan in the Rose Bowl. That's like, how iconic is that? How iconic is that? I thought he coached for like maybe maybe until he was like 80 or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's surprising. I, I knew this would happen someday, but I thought mm-hmm. he coached for at least maybe five, ten years. Yeah. Five more years, ten more years, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't think he'd ever retire. He'd he'd be buried on that Alabama sideline. I mean, it didn't look like he was going to stop anytime soon. So wow, he's definitely a legend in the college coaching ranks. One of the greatest coaches to coach college football. Yep. So, man. All right, well, um, let's go over some of the high points that Michigan game. I know in the first quarter they they kind of started out with the run. They really came at uh, Washington because they felt like they had a mismatch there with their offensive line and Washington's defensive line. And at first they, it showed they had two big long runs by Donovan Edwards for touchdowns. One was a 46 Yarder, I think, in a 47 or something like 48. They're actually, that's, a, that's the first time that a player has had two 40 or more yard runs in the same game in the college football championship or playoff. Yeah, it's also a second longest run in the college football playoff national championship. Yep. He's He was four yards behind Derrick Henry. Yep. And then also Michigan breaks the record of being the f- having the most rushing yards in the championship game at 303, which breaks Ohio State's record from 2014 of 294, I believe it was, or 292 with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So, uh, yeah, definitely the rushing attack was, was what got Michigan through. Their passing attack was inconsistent at best. They made it plays when they needed to. Washington really shut down the receivers in the passing game. It was the rushing game that really brought them through. Um, Donovan Edwards rushed for over 100 yards and two touchdowns, and Blake Corum rushed for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So the rushing game really, really came through for them. Offensive line really came through for them. Yeah, in the first quarter, it was just, like, dominant Mm -hmm. by Michigan with the running game. But then in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, not so much, but – Second quarter and third quarter were like the quarters that Washington, Kalen DeBoer finally realized that Michigan's going to run the ball, so he's going to have to uh, bring some blitzes. Mm-hmm. So that forces Michigan to pass well, the ball. Well, he started uh, bringing the linebackers up and, and, and letting the safeties creep up because they knew Michigan was going to rush and they needed to do something to stop the bleeding. So they, they made some adjustments because they knew Michigan was going to run. What they did was they, they allowed their their DBs to, to run main coverage on the outside, and it worked for them. 
it worked for them. Yep. So I have credit to those DBs for holding the Michigan receivers down for the most of the game. Um, J.J. McCarthy played a decent game. He um, wasn't an elite level at all, but he didn't have to. Uh, Corum and Edwards carried him. He only had to make plays when he needed to, and that's what he did. He made plays when he needed to. And, I, you know, to be honest with you, that's one of those things that doesn't get talked about, about elite quarterbacks. Um, you know, a lot of quarterbacks just want to come in and, and sling the ball around and, you know, that's, that's what we judge them on. But, you know, really an elite quarterback will do what it takes for the team to win, whether that means turning around and handing that ball off or making plays when you need to with your arm or your legs. J.J. McCarthy had two long runs there um, in the second half to kind of jumpstart Michigan's offense a little bit. But he's the type of quarterback that will do it. You know, he doesn't have to throw for 300 yards for them to win or for him to feel good about himself. Like he just does what it takes and what they ask him to help the team win. Again, if that means turning around and hitting that ball off 34 times in a row, that's what he'll do. That, that, that team, what helped the Michigan team win the championship was the fact that they played as a team. Nobody cared about personal stats. Nobody cared about draft position. They knew that would take care of itself if they won it, won it all. And so they were all selfless. And, you know, Edwards and Corum didn't care if they only rushed for 70 yards. And J.J. threw it for 200 or 300 yards. If that's what it took to win the game, then that's what they were willing to do, block for him in passing so he can throw the ball down the field. So that's one of the things that made this Michigan team so great as they played together selfless as a team. Nobody was about themselves. They were about the team, the team, the team. And that was pretty cool to watch that unfold over the season. Um, so definitely a dominant performance by Michigan. Um, I, it, it was... Aggravating at times, but at the same time, that's the way they play, and that's who they are, and that's their DNA. And it won them a championship, so it doesn't matter. Do um, you have any more thoughts about the national title game in Michigan? No. Yeah, I um, very, very satisfying watching them replace that trophy for the first time since 1997. It was long overdue. Long overdue. They'd gotten over the Ohio State hump. They'd gotten themselves back to to being the, the class of the Big Ten, and they needed one more step to take, and they, they had failed at that twice. Third time was a charm for them. And uh, they uh, they finally got that, that victory and, and got that hardware. So kudos to them. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for those players. Every player on that team, was instrumental in changing the culture at Michigan and helping that coaching staff change the culture into a winning culture, and I think that's going to pay dividends down the road. So, that being said, um, once again, congratulations to the champs. Go blue, uh, man! It's great. I, I, it's 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 amazing to watch that. That whole season in that game, I I cannot say that enough. But let's uh, talk a little NBA now. So it's been a little bit since we talked to NBA. They're they're getting uh, almost to the halfway point now. So some teams are really starting to show what they can do. So we're looking at the Eastern Conference over here. Boston has 
at 28 and 8, they're still leading the Eastern Conference. They're still looking good. I mean, their dynamic still works with Tatum, Brown, and uh, Przingis. So it's working for now. Again, I still want to see them get in the playoffs where teams really tighten down their defense and see how well that that works in the playoffs. Bucks are starting. Uh, they've had a lot of games to play together now. They're starting to round into form with Damian Lillard. They are 25 and 12, right behind the Celtics. Sixers are 23 and 12, right behind the Bucks. Uh, Knicks 22 and 15, right behind the Sixers. That's a very close race there. Starts trailing off there with the. Well, not really. The Heat are 21 and 15. Pacers are 21 and 15, and the Cavaliers are 21 and 15. Magic 21 and 16. They're starting to steadily drop down the rankings. They're down to number eight now, which they're really close though with the Pacers and the Cavs. They're literally a half a game out from the Heat, the Pacers and the Cavs, and one game away from the Knicks. So, not not a lot of ground to make up. All very very close to each other. Where it starts pulling away is the Bulls and the Nets. The Bulls are 17 and 21 in the number nine slot, and the Nets are 16 and 21 at the number 10 slot. So. That's where it starts separating right there. But if you look at it, the Magic, the Cavs, the Pacers, the Heat, um, Knicks are all right there with each other. A little bit of separation between the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers, but not a lot. So, in the Knicks, so, you know, not, not too crazy. It, it, it's, it's a pretty close race there right now. But halfway through, you're starting to see some teams separate themselves and show what they can do and uh, you know show what some of those offseason moves have done for them so we'll go down here to the Western Conference Timberwolves are still in the lead 26 and 10 matter of fact they had that big win against uh, Orlando last night I know Franz Wagner is hurt with a twisted ankle I think he's supposed to be back soon so that'll probably help them uh, but yeah Minnesota Timberwolves 26 and 10 they're still rolling they look really good. Right now, they look like the best team in the West. We got the Thunder right behind them at 24-11. Nuggets have made it to their injuries, got all their players back there at 26-12. and 12. Clippers are vastly improving and moved up that list. They are 23-13. and 13. Um, Very, very close race there at the top. Uh, Kings right behind them at 22-14. and 14. Pelicans at 22-15. and 15. And the Mavericks at 22-16. and 16. Where it starts separating a little bit is the Suns, Rockets, and Lakers. Suns are 19 and 18, Rockets are 18 and 17, and the Lakers are 19 and 19, all respectively. So it starts like the East, it starts dropping off of those last three teams in the 8th, 9th, and 10th slot. Lakers have been really struggling lately. Don't know what their future is going to look like at the halfway point, but man, if they don't pick it up, they may be left out of the playoffs. The Jazz and Warriors and Grizzlies and Trailblazers and Spurs are all Spurs got the worst record in the NBA at five and thirty. Nope, I'm sorry. Ha, I am wrong. The Pistons have the worst record in the NBA at three and thirty-four. <laughs> wow. And the Wizards and Hornets right right behind them along with the uh the Spurs, so <laughs> wow. Um Man, Golden State looks like they're gonna miss the playoffs. They're struggling out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do believe that their their reign is over. I think their reign of terror is over. Their window has closed officially. 
I don't know what they're going to do going forward, but I do believe the Golden State Warriors window is closed for championship or, or playoffs. I think a lot of the problem was they they got a lot of, rid of a lot of that young talent too early, like James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, and they stayed too loyal to some players like Draymond Green, who's not really helping them win anymore. I'm getting older. Uh, I really think they should have stayed with their youth movement, but they really got rid of a lot of their youth. They, they were good players. Yeah, and I mean, Jordan Poole was a good player. James Wiseman was a good player, and you get rid of him, and you got he you got rid of Jordan Poole because of Draymond Green. Yep. Um, Where to get him now? Yeah. Um, Losing record. Yep. It. Warriors got to do something. They got to do something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but I don't know what they have. I don't know what they're able to do, but Lakers need to do something. I, I really think that the key for them is to try to get what they can out of D'Lo right now before he loses any more value because what they I don't I still don't think he fits with that team, and they need some more help for AD and LeBron, and they're just not getting it from D'Lo. D'Angelo Russell just does not fit, man. They they need to they Anthony Davis and LeBron, LeBron for sure. You know he's he's up in age now. He should not be the carrying the bulk of the load. You know it should be AD and another young guy, and LeBron can kind of pick his his place here and there when he you know and and rest a lot more. You know because at, at his age, you know he needs to to save a little bit for the playoffs, right? He can't be going a hundred all year long he's going to run out of gas in the playoffs so I really think they need to find somebody who can truly help carry that torch and let LeBron rest a little bit more so alright for me I'm, I'm flipping D'Lo that's what I, D'Angelo Russell would be the first option I would kind of shop around and see what kind of value he has and then if maybe I had to offer somebody else up in that trade, we talk, but that's where I would start with D'Angelo Russell. They're just they they're not what they have assembled ain't cutting it. They just ain't cutting it. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on kind of the NBA and how everything's going right now? Um, I mean, well, right now. Eastern Conference looks uh, tougher than the Western Conference, to be honest. Okay. Because you've got, like, let's see, one, two, three, five, four or five teams that have that are really close to having the oh, same record. I don't five. know about that, man. I think the Timberwolves, the Nuggets, Clippers, I might even throw the Mavericks in there. I, I think they could beat any team in the East. To be honest with you, I, I still I just I, I'm gonna let you keep going, but I just I disagree with you. I, I think the West looks stronger. But go ahead, make your point. I, I go ahead I, with the, your East comments. I'm I'm with it. Go ahead, make I, your point. I think the Eastern Conference is just a little more tougher because you've got the Knicks, the mm-hmm. Heat, the Pacers, the Cavaliers, and then the Magic that are are really 
really kind of have the same record to be honest because you got the Knicks just a game ahead of the Heat and then you got the Heat the Pacers and Cavaliers tied mm-hmm. and then you got the Magic a half game back okay okay so um right. that's really tough but then you've got the 76ers the Bucks and the Celtics the Bucks and the 76ers are kind of catching up to the Celtics Bucks are three and a half games back then but the 76ers are really catching up to the Bucks right now because 76ers are only a game away, uh, back from the Bucks, so um, or a game and a half mm-hmm. away from the Bucks. So okay. yeah, the top three seeds are real are getting almost have the same record, and they got number four, five, six, seven, and eight, who are who have pretty much have the same record, and then. Tell you what I'm going to do. The next time we do this, I'm going to bring some stats to the table of how the East and West have fared against each other in the crossover games. Go ahead. Okay, then I'm going to move on to the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, the top three seeds are heating up as well. Well, actually top five. Well, actually I'm going to throw the Pelicans in there, so... Six teams are pretty much the Timberwolves. Kind of, they might actually lose that number one seed to the Thunder, maybe. Nah. Um, the Pelicans are getting close. The Kings are getting close. The Nuggets are getting close. The Clippers are getting close, and then you got the Thunder that are uh, tied with them. Okay. So uh, then you go to um, uh, eight, nine, ten that are really close. You know, you got the Suns, the uh, Rockets, and the Lakers, really close. But Lakers just need to keep. Lakers need to uh, have some better players because you got D'Angelo Russell who can't really play defense. Um, Austin Reeves really can't play defense. I mean, he tries. He tries to play defense, but he just he just really can't. No. Nah. Um, Austin Reeves. He's a good offensive player. I'll give him that. He's instant offense for him, but his defense is suspect at best. Yeah, he's a Austin Reeves. I I guess he's okay. I like him because he's a good news new story. He's a hard worker. You're right, but defensively, he's when every time he's on the floor, he's a liability. You have to pair him with some defenders, or else. You know, he, he gets lost a lot. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, the Western Conference is heating up and the Eastern Conference is here heating up, but I'm going to go with the East. Kay. I think the East is so just heating up more than the West. So I'm going to, so I think my thing with the East is I feel like your top teams, their defense is suspect. Celtics, I think their defense is suspect. I think they've just been able to outscore people and beat up on lesser East teams. The Bucks, I think, are suspect. Don't their their defense is suspect, not their offense. I think the Bucks' defense is suspect. Um, when you look at the points for and points against, the Bucks score 124 points a game, but they give up 119. Celtics score 121, but give up 110. So, um, 76ers score 119, give up 111, right? 
Knicks score 115, give up 111. So for me, the Heat score 112 and give up 111. Like that's, uh, to me, the, the defense. You go over to the West, you got the Timberwolves, who I think are really good, and they got a really good group there. They score 112, give up 107. The Thunder score 122, only give up 114. The Nuggets, defending champs, they're a little different. They score 116, give up 110. I still think the Nuggets are, are going to be a tough out in the playoffs for anybody, including the East teams. You got the Clippers that score 117 and give up 111. The Sparity is just a little different there over in the West. I think the West plays a little bit better defense. But also like the Timberwolves, the Nuggets, and the Clippers, to be honest. Are my, I think that those three teams could beat your top teams in the East. I think they play better defense, and I just think they have better teams. Like I'm, I'm looking at the Timberwolves right now, and I'm looking at a matchup, let's say, between the Timberwolves and the Celtics, right? you got... Nikai Alexander-Walker. Um, you got Anthony Edwards. You got Rudy Gobert at the center. Nas Reed coming off the bench. You got Car Anthony Towns. Um, Jade McDaniels. I mean, Kyle Anderson coming off. The, I, I, I really think the Timberwolves have really assembled a really good team. I think they're underrated right now. I, I think that they're really going to be a tough out in the playoffs. I don't know. I agree with you about the Thunder. I think the Thunder are really tough. I think they look really good. And they also have assembled a young, good roster. Um, you know, Shia Gillius Alexander, Dort, um, you know, they're, they're, they look good too. So I, honestly, uh, for me, I think the defense is better, but I, I just like the teams in the West better as opposed to the East. I, I think the, NBA champ will come out of the West again this year. I think their dominance will continue against the East. Um, I just like the Timberwolves, the Nuggets, and the Clippers. And, I, and honestly, I could throw the Thunder in there too. I think the Thunder are really good. Um, I just like those. I like the top teams in the West better than the East. Um, I'm going to go West. I think the West is tougher. But we'll find out. Um... Later on, uh, as the season goes along and they play cross games, I'm gonna, I will get that. And next time we come together and talk about NBA, I will have that info for us to kind of look at and see how those, what the record is between the East and the West when they play each other. Just kind of get an idea of you know what it looks like, because that's actually a good, a good question and a good topic to talk about. So, I'll, I'll compile that and have it ready for us when we do our next cast we'll do our next episode we'll talk about the nfl kind of talk about the playoffs this weekend and what we're looking for um obviously the ravens and the 49ers went on to get those number one seeds uh, and they'll get the buys in the first round and so we'll see some good games this weekend we'll talk about some of those games and some of our predictions for those games this weekend till then everybody have a good day we appreciate you guys watching this and listen. Please, please hit the like button and subscribe. Um, don't forget, if, if you don't want to watch us on YouTube, you can check us out on podcasts, wherever podcasts are played through most platforms. We thank you and everybody have a good night.